Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. Well, um, welcome. If I haven't said it enough times this morning, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thanks for celebrating Easter with us and, uh, and being here today. Uh, I'm, I'm just really, really excited about what God wants to do in this place. Yeah. I'm also excited because it doesn't just start when I start talking. Right. It's already started through worship and through being able to focus on him. He's beginning to come and start to, to move in your heart, to encourage you, to strengthen you. I'm so, I'm so encouraged that every time we get together in these spaces and get to be able to be in his presence, that he comes just to, to bring life, just to bring encouragement and hope to you. And that's what I believe he's going to do for you today. However you walked into this place here today, I believe that the life and the love of Jesus is going to impact you right where you're at. That you're not going to leave the same. Whether you have followed Jesus your whole life or not, I believe that you are going to get a fresh encounter with the love of Jesus today. I believe that he has something powerful for you today in this place. Um, as, we, as we gather here, we just, get to, we just get to celebrate, we just get to remember, and we get to dig into the word together today. And, and I would invite you to do this, is for these next few minutes to just grab your Bible pen, something to take notes with. You can also text OLC notes to 94,000. And what that'll do is that'll actually send you a link to your phone that it'll pull up in your web browser that you can fill in things and you can uh, fill in the, the blanks. There's some blanks in there and you can save them to yourself and all of that. And so I'd invite you to do that as we, uh, as we step into the word here um, this morning. Um, I, I, I'm reminded here today, as I was looking around seeing everybody who's, who's here, how drastically different everybody's stories are. Your, your story and your walk with Jesus and your faith in him looks different than anybody else's. Like all, all the details of what's happened, the things that have taken place in your life. Maybe you do find yourself as somebody who's followed Christ for a very long time. My, my story happens to be that, that I was saved and gave my life to the Lord at three years old and have followed him for my entire life. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for a life that, that I've been able to follow Jesus and live for him. But I also recognize there's stories here where you came to know Christ much later in your life. And I also am aware that there's people here in this room who are listening to my voice who are saying, I don't know if I, I don't know what to think about all of this yet. I don't know what I think about God. I don't know what I think about Jesus. I don't know what I think about faith and, and all of this. We're all at different places in our journey. We're all different places in our story. And that's the beautiful thing, is that God has built into us this beautiful tapestry of what's called a testimony. It's your life story that God is using your life to reveal his love to you. So that through your life and through the, the, the testimony of your life, through the things that take place in life, you're able to actually know him more. God uses all kinds of moments to be able to speak his love into your life. And whether or not you recognize it in every season, God has been pursuing you with his love for your whole life. It may not seem like that all the time. 
It may not even look like that. Like there might be plenty of times where you go, God, where are you? All of these things that have taken place in my life, all the pain, all of the hurt, is there a God? Does he care? But I want you to know that as we sit in this place today, that I can tell you with 100% assurance in my spirit that he does love you. And I can tell you with 100% assurance that he's working in your life. That none of the things that you have walked through in your life are an accident. None of the things will be wasted. That everything that you have experienced in life, God is going to use to show his love to you. So wherever you sit at this morning, my hope is to come and, and to speak the love of God into your life today. Whatever you find yourself in, whatever trial you, you happen to be walking through, maybe you're on a mountaintop right now and God's so good and he's amazing and you're, you're seeing him do these incredible things in your life. I want you to know that God has something specific for you today. If you walk into this place and you're in the lowest place that you've ever been in your life and you're wrestling and you're working through all of these things and you're trying to figure out your faith, you're trying to figure out what to do in life, I want you to know that God has his love here for you today. He has not forgotten you. He has not given up on you. The love of God has extended since the beginning of time. I want you to know this, that for us that are here in Nampa, Idaho in the year 2023, that God planned for Jesus Christ to come over 2,000 years ago, to die on the cross for our sins. He planned that since the beginning of time. That you are in his mind and in his heart. That Jesus knew when he went to the cross that he was dying for your sins. And he was paying the price for your sins so that you could be forgiven and have life. This is how much he loves you. You're not an afterthought. You're not something that's just, well, now we gotta figure out how to make sense of this life. No, God knew you, loved you, planned for you from the beginning of time. And that love is reaching into your heart today. Regardless of where you're at in your story, because I know we all come in with different places this morning, the beautiful thing about Jesus is that Jesus levels the playing field for all of us. It doesn't matter what's happened in your life. It doesn't matter what you're walking through. What Jesus has for each of us is the same salvation through the cross. It's the same thing for each one of us in this place. And so I believe that, that there's something special for you here today. I believe that God wants to do something unique in your life. So I'm going to pray one more time and then we'll jump in. Jesus, I pray that right now, Lord, you would open our eyes, open our ears to hear what you have to say. And Lord, I pray that, that as we are here and we are sitting in your presence, that we would understand your love for us, that we would understand the gift that you've given and the price that you paid. We love you so much, and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we celebrate in victory because death is beaten. We celebrate the fact that 
Jesus rose from the dead. We celebrate the fact that he didn't stay dead, but he rose on the third day. And when he did that, he conquered death and sin, and he took the keys from Satan. He took the keys, and he has the victory. Today, we celebrate from a place of victory. In Jesus Christ, and when we put our faith in Christ, we here have victory because of the victory that Jesus has done, the victory that he's had here. But I want to I just paint a picture here real quick, because as good as that sounds, there's something that we have to understand first. So I'm going to go somewhere, and I'm going to get back to this beautiful, amazing thing. But I want to start by just declaring this is that you and I are sinners with no possible way to redeem our lives. You and I are hopeless on our own. You and I have no way to pay back the sin that we live in. Isn't that encouraging? (laughs) You're hopeless. Beyond saving on your own. I don't care how many good things you do, it will never outweigh your sinful nature. In fact, Romans says this in Romans 3, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Greek word there for all means all. (laughs) Guys, it's going to go real deep, real, real deep. It means everybody. There's not one person that's exempt from sin. And what is sin? It's important for us to understand this because there's a lot of different thoughts and opinions and things about what sin is, but sin is very simply this. It is rebellion against God. It's anything that we do that is contrary to what God has asked us to do. It's contrary to what he has set up in the word for us to live by. It's contrary to what he has written in scripture. Anything that is rebelling against that is sin. Now, now I have, I have news also for you. It's not just about the things that you have done, but it's also about the thing you are. <laughs> you see, back at the beginning of time, when God created Adam and Eve, he put them in a beautiful garden. And when he put them there, they were without sin. And they had this beautiful relationship with God. But then what happened? They did the one thing that God had asked them to not do. And in doing that, sin was ushered into the world. Meaning that now, when you were born, you were born in sin. You hadn't even done anything yet. I mean, you probably cried, and your parents might have been upset with that. But you didn't even do anything, and you were born into sin. Like, this is, this is how terrible of a situation it is. You didn't even have a chance. You didn't even have a chance. A way to think about it is this, is that we're sinners... Not because we sin, but we sin because we're sinners. This is a really important thing for us to be able to wrap our heads around here. You were born in sin, inherited sin from Adam. And the Bible says in Romans 6 that the wages of this sin is death. That the consequences of our sin, the stuff we were born with is death an eternity in hell. Like before you even did one good thing or one bad thing, you already were going to hell. That's, that's rough. I mean, you didn't even have a chance. The wages of sin is death. You deserve death. 
but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is one of the most powerful things that you read in, in scripture. That, there's, that there's, there's utter depravity and hope. There's, there's, there's their consequences and, and there's forgiveness and a future and a way to move forward. We can never earn our way out of our sin. There's not enough good things that we could ever do. We actually needed somebody outside of ourselves to save us. We in of ourselves could not do anything to right the wrong of sin. People have tried all the way through history, but it's always come up short because we are imperfect beings. But the gift of God, and the gift of God I'm here to present to you today is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the gift that is being offered to you and to me today that we get to live in. Romans 5, 8 says that, the, that God proved his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get it all figured out. He didn't say, you guys just have to get your life sorted out and when you're just about good enough, then my love will come into your life. While we were still sinners, hopeless, at a dead end, he died for us. His love came into our world. We all have a story. Regardless of what our story is, I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves you and is pursuing you and giving you a hope and a future. The love of Jesus is not contingent on what you do. You do not determine if God turns off his love towards you because he never will. It's always there and it's always been there. On your worst day where you think that this time, this time I did it. I just, I went too far and there isn't any possible way that God's love is there anymore. I'm telling you that those are some of the moments when God's love is the strongest in your life. When you're at your lowest is when you need a reminder of the faithful love of God in your life. First John tells us this about the love of God, that love consists in this, not that we loved God. It's not contingent on the fact that whether, whether or not we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. God initiated the whole thing. When we didn't love him, when we were sinning, when we were rebelling, when we were doing our own thing, God said, I still love you and I'm still gonna send my son to die on the cross for you because there's nothing that you, my kids, could do that would ever separate you from my love. There's nothing that you can do that will ever sever the love that I am extending towards you at all times. And so in the middle of that, I'm sending my son as the sacrifice so that you could be forgiven. Before we ever love God, he loved us. I want you to realize that today in your life. The hope that comes with that statement, that you are loved by God. You are loved by God. And this love that God has for you, 
led him to send his son, Jesus, to come here and take earthly form as a, as a, a human being, to grow and live a sinless life, the life that you and I could never live. And when he grow, he then sacrificed himself for us in our place so that we would not receive that death. He died on a cross, and when he shed his blood, that blood paid for our sins. It paid for your sin. It paid for my sin. All your past, your present, and your future sin was taken care of on the cross because of the blood of Jesus. He was buried, and he, was ro and he rose three days later and conquered those things. This is the gospel. The love of God motivated to complete this thing that could have never accomplished any other way. I'm belaboring the point because this is a really important point to belabor. You're loved by the Father. And Jesus paid for your sin. How many are thankful? Okay. Today, what I want to do is I want to, I want to look at a passage of Scripture out of the book of Romans. And Paul, who's the author of Romans lays out the, the brilliance of who Jesus is and salvation so wonderfully for us so that we are actually able to articulate this. Paul, just so you know, to give you a little bit about his backstory, Paul, before he was called Paul, he was called Saul. And he grew up and he was a Jew and he was also a Pharisee, which means he knew all of the scripture that they had, which was the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. He knew all of it inside and out. He had all the wisdom. He had all the knowledge. He knew all the scriptures and everything, except that he was dead wrong. Now, how could you have all of the scriptures memorized and miss the point? It's because there was one thing that was lacking from Paul's life. It was an encounter with Jesus and a moment where Paul took all of these things he knew and translated them to faith in Jesus Christ. And this is where Paul's ministry came alive because Paul then was able to go on and he was one of the greatest missionaries of all time. He used all his lineage and his history and everything that he was, the wisdom of, of scripture paired with his faith in Jesus and an encounter with Jesus being real in his life. And he started to go out and he started to tell people, encourage people about the love of Jesus. Paul actually wrote two thirds of our New Testament. The Bible is written and, and broken up into two parts, two halves, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Two thirds of the New Testament was written by Paul. He was just this incredible guy. But this is the thing about Paul. I shared at the beginning that, that my, my story is that I, I put my faith in Jesus when I was three years old and have followed him for my whole life. Paul put his faith in Jesus when he was 30 years old. His relationship with Jesus began and his forgiveness of sin began when he was 30 years old. And that redeemed his life and he began to move forward into the ministry God had for him. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your season of life. It doesn't matter your journey. It doesn't matter how far away from God you've been in the past. None of that matters. Because I can tell you this, that Jesus came and Jesus encountered Paul because he loved him so much and had a plan for his life that Jesus does the same thing with each one of us. Wherever we're at in our journey, Jesus comes and he invades our life and he encounters us. Why? Because he has a calling. He has a purpose. He has a life. He has freedom. He has wholeness. He has a future and a destiny for every single one of us. 
And this is what he wants to be able to have you to step into. Romans 1 says this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh and was appointed to be the powerful son of God according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Through him, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles, including you who are called by Jesus Christ. To all of you who are in Rome or Nampa, Idaho, loved by God, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's encouraging you with a, a bunch of stuff in this passage, and I'm going to pull some of these things out here just for our time together to be able to articulate what's going on here. The first of these that Paul lays out here is that salvation through Jesus was planned from the beginning. I talked about this and I laid this out that the, 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 the cross was not an afterthought. It wasn't something that, great, now, now humanity messed up. Now we got to somehow figure out a way to make it right again, right? It was the plan all the way from the beginning. And so the plan of the cross and everything that was going to take place was going to be powerful there. First Peter says this, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Jesus, the sinless, spotless lamb of God who chose him as your ransom long ago before the world began. But he has now revealed him to you in these last days. The beginning of time, before the beginning of time, the cross was there. Um, I, I want to just geek out for just a second with you here. Uh, Genesis 1 begins with these words, in the beginning. In the beginning. Now, if you take those words and you actually go back and you take the word beginning. Beginning in the Hebrew is the word bereshit. And Barashit, in the Hebrew language, Hebrew language is made up of pictographs, several characters that are put together to form this word, right? And within the word Barashit, there's a bunch of these different characters that go in, and for sake of time, I'm not going to unpack it all of it, except to say this, that in the word beginning, in the word beginning, in the original Hebrew language was this message that was put in there, the Son of God with thorns on his head, hanging on a tree, was the gift of God. At the very beginning of the Bible. The cross wasn't just something that ended up happening when Jesus came. It was planned from the beginning. You see, even when you were far from God, he already paid for your sin. He already made a way for you to be saved. The second thing that we see in this passage of scripture is that faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross is the only way that we can be saved. There's no other way to the father. In fact, Jesus says this in John 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. There's no way for us to be redeemed, saved. There's no way for us to step into a relationship with God outside of Jesus. Acts 4 says it this way, that there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. It's all Jesus. It's always been Jesus, and it always will be Jesus. And that's what saves our souls. Salvation begins 
when we put our faith in what Jesus did, our faith in the shed blood on the cross. See, the centrality of Christianity is not a moral system. It's not a belief system. It's not an ethical system. It's a person, and the person is Jesus Christ. I don't care if anybody tells you, well, those Christians, they're just all about the morals, living right. No, we're about Jesus. And Jesus transforms our lives, and hopefully our lives show a morality or an ethics, and we follow a certain thing that's been laid out in Scripture. Hopefully that's that, but that's because we've had an encounter and a relationship with Jesus, and that transforms and changes us. You can't have one without the other. And it's very important for us to be able to have this order in place. So faith in Jesus is the only way we can be saved. Now, here's the beautiful thing about faith in Jesus is that through Jesus, you are given a new life. You are given a new life. Your old life is gone. The sin that you were born into, the things that you've done, every bad thing that you've ever done, all of that is gone. And because of Jesus, he's given you a brand new life. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the Greek word for anyone is anyone, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has what? And the new has? Your old life has what? And your new life has? Because of Jesus, everything that you used to be has what? And the new life has? I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. I t- tell you, this is, a, is, a, is a, as somebody who's followed Jesus my whole life, let me tell you this, that he, I, I'm so thankful that he took my sin. And I'm so thankful that he continues to take my sin. I'm so thankful to, to know that even if I mess up, not if, when, even when I mess up, I'm forgiven. I'm cleansed. Yeah. Right. The price for my sin has been paid for. It's such a beautiful thing. But, but get this, this, this is what's so powerful about this new life. Hebrews 8 says this, check this out. For I will, this is God speaking, I will forgive their wrongdoing and I will never again remember their sin. God not only forgives your sin, he forgets it. Now, now, we can't really wrap our minds around that a whole lot. Because we tend to remember our sin. Anybody else remember the sin you've done in your life? Okay, good. We're all on the same page. Awesome. But he doesn't even remember it. He forgives. It's gone. It's done. It's out of his mind. This is the new life that he has for us. A new start. A fresh start in him. 